GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of The Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ and joining me, my own personal Mark DeCascos, Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> oh, oh. I was not expecting that. No, um, I could have just no. called you the chairman. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I didn't. You didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so thrown off by that. You want, me, you want me to go right to the guest for you so you can compose yeah, yourself? Please do that. I will compose myself. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a wonderful guest today. Uh, he's looking as disheveled as ever. Uh, <laughs> our own Tom Arnold. <laughs> Davis. Jesus! <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Your own Tom Arnold. I'm surprised. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving now. Okay, like I was. I had this whole bit. Like I was gonna talk about. Like how you know, I'm a last minute replacement. You should really play substitute by the Who. If we weren't so certain, Pete Townsend would sue you. But now I like. I'm like. I, where do I go from being called your personal Tom Arnold, like the most contemptible human being in this movie and in the world in some ways? So I don't know. know. I think it was relatively funny in this movie. I disagree. I okay. I agree to a certain extent, but he it was some of the things that he was one of the many causes of what I would say is problematic with this movie. Well, that, that part's that's fair enough. Well, Dave is here again, and yes, Dave stepped in. Dave is our go-to last-minute replacement guest um, for two so reasons. One, he's either he's either seen the movie, or two, he's got enough time to watch the movie on last <laughs> at the last minute. Yeah, so again, like, you're just giving me such a great introduction. He's got no life, so he's seen a lot of movies, or he's willing to take the time that he has tons of and watch the movie. No, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you're you're super knowledgeable about action films. Well, thank you. Because we mention you all the time about how you have made us go out and see a particular movie. Yeah, that's true. In our our last episode, I talked about how mad you were that Johnny Cage wasn't in the new Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And on top of that, you're you're generous with your time to say, yeah, I'll help you guys out. Well, okay, you've kind of made up for the whole Tom Arnold uh, comment. <laughs> Don't worry, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. I, I guess we should say Dave is here. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome Hi, back everybody. to the Last Action Podcast. Um, okay, so uh, we are here today to talk about Cradle to the Grave. It's a movie that I've kind of thought about doing for a while, but, you know, with the recent passing of dmx oh, i felt oh. like this i feel like this would be a good you know tribute a good time to do it you know one of the first movies i ever covered on the podcast as a, the regular co-host was exit wounds the other another dmx movie so i felt like this is a good time to, to to bring it out um so i guess we'll start with anyone's prior knowledge or experience of this movie uh dave so I'd say, I mean, the story of the first time I saw this movie probably isn't interesting as this, when I saw it again today. Like, I'm, in the first time, I was like, yeah, like Jet Li, he was really big at the time, went to see it in the theater. Today, when I was given, told that, like, hey, 
could you watch this movie so we, you know, you can be on the podcast. I was in the middle of watching The Third Man, considered the greatest British film ever to be made, because I'm trying, and also it's on the AFI Top 100, so I'm like, yeah, okay. So I went from watching one of the best films ever made to, uh-oh, better go watch Cradle 2 with the number two, The Grave. Uh, where? Wh- how did you watch it? Where did you watch it? Um, I watched it on my uh, Prime, like, you know, my, my Fire Stick, so. Okay, got it, yeah. In the basement, um, in the dark. Really gave it a whole cinematic experience. <laughs> uh, what about you, uh, LPJ? Yeah, I knew this film existed. Um, <laughs> it was not something I would have gone to see. Um, so I watched can it I, for the first time. Can I, can I tell them what you messaged me when you started watching it? Yes. Uh, I get a message from LBJ when he starts watching the movie, and he's like, this movie is surprisingly racist. And I said, <laughs> and I said, is it surprising? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie is, uh, yeah. Like, like yeah. equal opportunity racists across yep. the board. I will say this, you know, at least it's not just like anti-Semitic or like, you know, anti-black. It's pretty much anti-everyone. Like it's super yeah. racist to everybody. Like, every character, I feel like it's some... I don't know if Jet Li does, but pretty much every character says something racist at some point. Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty much. Just out of, out of nowhere. Like, just like the one guy who starts speaking Korean to Jet Li, and he's like, I'm not Korean. But funny funny fact, that might be based on an actual thing that happened on the set of the movie. Tom Arnold and Jet Li were walking past a sushi shop, and Tom Arnold's like, hey, what does that say? And Jet Li says, I am Chinese. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same too. Like I knew that this, like in the pantheon of DMX movies, <laughs> I knew that this existed. Um, and you know, I never seen it. Uh, and we had covered, it was basically, is he, no, he's not in DMX is not in Romeo must die. Yeah, he right? Yeah, he is. Oh, he, he, he is. is? Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's in Romeo must die. Yes. Yeah. But he's not in, oh no, no, he's not in Romeo must die. Is he? Yeah, he is. He plays a club owner. It's a. It's not a very big role. He only has like two scenes, and he gets killed. But yeah, he, he's definitely in it. That was this the first like, one, right? Yeah, like they're kind of like. I mean, I was just kind of reunites the crew from Romeo. Romeo must die because Anthony Anderson, Jet Li, and the Leo was supposed to play the Gabrielle Union role, but obviously, you know, right. she passed away. What's what's yeah. the, what's the timeline in the movies? Because I feel like it was Romeo must die. Exit yeah. wounds, and then this. Yeah, yeah. This was okay. So Romeo Must Die came came out. That was like ninety nine or two thousand. Then Exit Wounds, but DMX hated Steven Seagal, so they're like, I, I think the one of the original plans was possibly they were gonna like repair them. Like, well, no, we can't do Steven's. We can't do uh, you know Steven Seagal again. Like, well, let's just bring back Jet Li and have a nearly identical finale in a Ring of Fire. <laughs> I'm like uh, uh, trying to see if I can see when it what, what the Cradles to the Grave the movie we were talking about is 2003 Exit Wounds is 2001 and Romeo Must Die is 2000. So. Okay, yeah. Um, but anyways, as I just kind of stated, the release date on this is February 28, 2003. Uh, the budget on this is 25 million. Um, surprisingly, it has a domestic gross of 34 million. And a worldwide of fifty six million, so it made money. Like, yeah, and it did well. I'll, 
I'll say for $25 million, it looks pretty good. Would you consider that a couple of those million had to go to Jet Li and DMX, you know? Sure. So, I mean, for 25 I mean, the production value was good. You know? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I will say this, and we'll get into it. Despite anything you want to say about this movie, I kind of like everybody that's in the movie in this movie. Like, I think everybody that's in this movie does a good job in it. I will make one exception to liking everyone in this movie. Real-life murderer Michael Jace, who plays the guy getting the lap dance. Don't like him. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Fair enough. Um, so the Rotten Tomatoes on this is 26%. Yep. And an audience score of 52%. Um, top grossing movies of 2003. Uh, number one is Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Number two is Finding Nemo. And number three is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. This movie, Cradle to the Grave, came in 82nd on the year. Uh, and movies that we have covered on this podcast are number six, X2. Number 15, Too Fast, Too Furious. Number 35, Freddy vs. Jason. And number 63, The Rundown. Which I feel like that's criminal that the rundown was oh. so far down. The rundown is like I mean, obviously you named some really big movies, but the rundown is one of the best movies you mentioned. Yeah, it is really good. I, I did enjoy. It. I like I like the movie a lot. Um, okay, so let's talk about the cast of this movie. Um, and we've kind of talked about it, but let's just get into it. So we have Jet Li, obviously playing Sue, I guess S U. Yeah. Um, DMX playing Anthony Fate. Faith? Faith. Just faith. I thought it was okay. faith. Because they kept saying faith, well, those are catchphrase, and it's kind of arrogant that, oh, yo, your name is, my name is the catchphrase also. No, it's fate. F-A-I-T. So they uh, say faith to each other, faith, faith, but his name is fate. Yes. Yes. Well, that's confusing. Uh, Anthony Anderson playing Tommy. Kelly Who playing Sona. Uh, Tom Arnold playing Archie. <laughs> As you mentioned, Mark DeCascos De- yep. playing Ling, Gabrielle Union playing Daria. Um, and I feel like more, more importantly, you should mention that this movie also features Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, and Tito Ortiz. Yes, it does. Yeah. Playing, and- them, playing themselves? Question mark? Yeah. So, I guess. USC wasn't really big at the time. It was kind of on its way up. Yeah. But it, it really was basically get... a, about to break out. Yeah. Like, was, like, I want to say Ultimate Fighter was like 2004, 2005. So this was like, this was, I mean, if they had Ortiz, Couture, and Liddell, this was right before they broke out, you know? Yeah. The sad so, yeah. Yeah. How much do you think Tito Ortiz like, was like, I'm going to beat Chuck Liddell? Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, I mean, Literally, like, you know, he's the only guy that they let look tough in the movie, and two <laughs> of the other guys kicked his ass shortly after that, you know? Yeah. Um, let's let's run through a couple net worths and everybody's favorite secret uh, side game where they get that sweet, sweet money from. God, I, don't know so, I, I don't know if I have very good ones for this one. Well, I'm counting on Dave. Let's start with Kelly Who. What do you guys think for Kelly Who? Dave. Well, she's got that sweet, sweet season one of Arrow money. So, I, I, you know, I bet, I think she does a lot of stuff internationally. I bet she's worth $5 million. Okay. LBJ? 
Kelly who has that sweet, sweet voice of a character on a Disney show, and I'm trying to think which one it is now. <laughs> I think it might be something ridiculous like Eleanor of Avalon. No, no, I was thinking more like like Phineas and Ferb or something. I know she does I know she does a lot of voiceover work. Um I'm gonna say fifteen. Ten million dollars for <laughs> Kelly Who. All right. Tom Arnold, uh, LBJ, what do you think for Tom Arnold? Wow, he's a wild card because I know he lost all of his money at one point and they got some back, but then I'm sure he lost it again at some point. Uh, I'll go five million. Okay. Well, he's got that sweet, sweet literal show he made for Spike TV where he went around trying to find out if the Trump P tape actually existed. So I'd say he's worth... Uh, fifteen million. Actually, thirty million dollars for uh Tom Arnold. He so. had that Fox Sports gig for a while. So yeah, he's right. got yeah, he's yeah. got that sweet sweet best damn sports show money. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, next up, Dave Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson makes straight bank because he's he really you know does. he's yeah he's on Blackish. He was on Law and Order. I bet he's worth seventy five million. Oh, I think it's more than that. He's got that. Um, he's got that sweet, sweet uh, Transformers money. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say. I think he's. I think he's over a hundred million. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say one ten. It's actually only twenty five billion dollars. What? Really? He is underpaid. He is a delight. Not so much in this movie, but in other things. Okay. Gabrielle Union. She's got that sweet, sweet bring it on money, guys. What do you think? She's actually got that sweet, sweet married to Dwayne Wade money. So I think she's worth like 200. If you, if you count as a couple's money, you know. They, they, this is not factoring in Dwayne Wade. Oh, okay. I forgot well, that, she was married to Dwayne Wade. Well, then she's got that sweet, sweet girl who turns out to be mean and 10 things I hate about you money. So I can say she's worth 25 million. She's got that sweet, sweet probably in a late 90s, early 2000s horror film movie, Money. I'm trying to think what the one she was in, though. Was she in the return, like the, the not H2O, but like Halloween, like the next Michael Myers movie? I don't know. I think she might have been. The one with Buster Rhymes? I think she, I think she was, but I might be wrong. Trick or treat, motherfucker! <laughs> uh, I'm going to say $10 million. $40 million. Or right. Gabrielle Union. I, I really, I really undersold her. I apologize. I apologize, Gabrielle Union. And then finally, Jet Li. He's got that sweet, sweet movie that we're definitely going to cover at some point. All of us together, Kiss of the Dragon money. Yeah, the one I keep begging you to do. Like, this is the best Jet Li movie. But he's got that sweet, sweet black mask oh, money. Damn it, Dave. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um. He's worth a lot, especially because he's not a Chinese citizen anymore. He doesn't pay all their money in taxes. So I'd say he's worth $150 million. 70, LBJ? 70 million. He's so mad that you stole it. Salty about the bad <laughs> 70 uh, million, you jerk. $250 million. Yeah, like I said, you're not paying, we're not giving all your money to the commies. You make bank. What about the chairman? You're not going to You didn't look at the chairman? I didn't look up the chairman. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, man, he's got that sweet, sweet guest star on Stargate Atlantis money. How do you spell his last name again? Uh, D-A-C-A-S-C-O-S. 
he's got that sweet, sweet Brotherhood of the Wolf money, the movie I always talk about. He's got he's, that he's sweet, also a double dragon. He's got that sweet, sweet John Wick 3 Parabellum money, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was good in that. He was good in that. Okay. Oh, shoot. Uh, I bet he has more I bet he has more than you might think. I mean, it's not going to be astronomical, but I bet the Iron Chef pays him a lot of money for not doing very much. Does anybody... Did you guys make your guesses? I'm sorry, I was looking it up. No, no. Um, but I'm going to say um, $35 million. Uh, I'll say $25 million. Two million. <laughs> oh man! Uh, uh, do you know how he got this role? No. Uh, there was a. Oh yeah. Th- there was a fan vote on. I don't know if it was Jet Li's website or what it was, but uh, they said the vote was, you know, who do you want Jet Li to fight in his next movie? And apparently, he won. Yeah, he had done a lot of straight to video stuff, but then also he had that movie was a fairly moderate hit internationally at the time. Uh, um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, and he was yep. badass in that. Yep. Yeah, and he's you know he's a he's a he's won a bunch of um, karate and kung fu championships. Yeah, he's a he's a martial artist. I want to tell you this because I this is this is what it says on his net worth page that apparently he played uh, Kung Lao in the web series Mortal Kombat Legacy. Oh, cool. He played he played Eric Draven in the Crow yep. Stairway to Heaven. He it was terrible. Yeah, the uh, the first run syndicated show that would be on like Channel Twenty. Yep. And he also apparently competed in season nine of Dancing with the Stars. So <laughs> there you go. Um, now the director on this, I am not going to be able to pronounce his name. Can anybody help me out with this? Andres Bartowiak. Yeah, that sounds about right. Bartowiak. Yeah, well, he, he, he and he directed Exit Wounds. He directed Romeo Must Die, so yep. it's kind of like his thing. Um, written by John O'Brien and Channing Gibson. I got nothing about them. And well, then, you know, based on those names and some of the stuff that's in this movie, I would have to say they're white. So a lot of things in this movie are not okay. <laughs> that's that's fair. Your name's uh, Channing, probably. You know, and the music was done by Damon. Grease Blackman and John Frizzle. So we're not we're not playing any music. I mean, the soundtrack obviously features a lot of DMX, but um, okay. Taglines. I got two taglines for you guys. Is one of them X so, going to give it to you? Unfortunately, not. The ah. first one is the first one. I don't think really applies to the movie, but it's mortal enemies make dangerous friends. And yeah, then not implied, at all mortal enemies. That, that implies that Jet Li and DMX are mortal enemies, which yeah. they're not. And now, this next one is pretty great, and I want to I wanna specify before I read it that all the twos are the number two, like the title of the movie, okay? <laughs> so, born to the life, true to the code, and bad to the bone. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, those are Oy. those are not good. <laughs> and you said there's two of them, right? This is too much. Did you did you see um LPJ apparently one of the producers of this movie was Joel Silver? Yeah. Because he did he did um Rumi Must Die. Yep. And and because I mean you Lethal Weapon, I mean that's what I mean he basically brought Jet Li to America, you know. I guess that's true. Lethal Weapon is at four. Yeah, 
the fourth one. Which I rewatched. I always thought, like, oh, that's like, it is still the least of them, but it's not a bad movie. It's actually pretty good. Pretty good? Pretty good. I mean, like I said, some of the parts are tedious, like when they're like, hey, let's just stop the movie so uh, Chris Rock can do a stand up routine. Yeah. I, I, seen, I don't know if I've ever seen the third one, but I've definitely seen the fourth one. Oh, third one's great. It's got the full on Mel Gibson mullet. Oh, well, that's, that's good. I'm sure his ass is in it, too, so. Actually, I don't think it. Oh, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, no, I don't think it's. Wait, no, no, I think it is. Um, okay, so uh, anything anyone else wants to mention before we kind of get into the plot of this thing? Um, you know, I kind of touched on it, but the guy who plays uh, that Michael Jace, just when you're watching the scene where he's getting lap dance, just know real life murderer killed his wife. So kind of took me out of the scene. You know, wow, I did I, not know that. Yeah, I he was on the shield. He was on the shield for a f- you know pretty much their whole run on the show, and he's been in a couple other things. Then, yeah, killed his wife uh, about five years ago, and now is doing forty to life. So, wow. thanks. Yeah, bring it down. Bring it down. <laughs> bring it down. <laughs> thanks. thanks, Dave. No problem. <laughs> bring it down. Um, okay, so we start off with a like heist, right? Like. DMX is, is uh, it's like a, a thieving crew, like they, they steal stuff. I have a note that's my first note for this movie says, DMX's thieving outfit is not very inconspicuous. <laughs> that's exactly, that's, my first note is baggy leather suit equals great activewear. There is nothing <laughs> in this movie that is inconspicuous. And there are mm, so many leather suits in this movie. Mark DeCasso's is there. He wears a leather suit. Like, Jet Li is the only one who's not wearing a leather suit, I feel like, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, continue. So, uh, they're, they're, they're going into, like, this diamond exchange. Uh, they're, they access it through, like, the, the subway tunnels. There's a really groan-worthy line where DMX is like, X marks the spot. <laughs> That's the first time I said fuck you to my television. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, and then we're also introduced in this to Jet Li. He's, like, just chilling in a car. He's listening to the radio. Uh, there's that great scene where he, like, so he's, like, he's, he drops down the side of the building. Jet Li is great in this movie. Like, oh, whatever, yeah. you wanna, whatever you want to say about this movie, I love Jet Li in it. Because it's, like... He's at the top of the building and he's dropping down, like grabbing onto the ledges. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you know when to stop? Because he stops at a certain floor and he goes inside like the apartment. But I'm like, how did he know? Well, also, I'd like to point out that Jet Li is wearing like the same outfit he wears in every movie in this movie, except to show how cool he is. He's got sunglasses this time. Yep. Because he, he goes into this apartment and just like straight up like, beats the shit out of this guy to try and get information out of him. Jelly is a badass in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. Um, so then, like, we get our first, like, pretty offensive thing in this movie. Yeah. Because, like, they send Gabrielle Union in to distract the security guard, but he is gay. So then they send Anthony Anderson in to act gay, and it's, it's not great. Yeah. Well, like, first of all, like... The, obviously, Gabriel, Gabriel Union's smoking, but the fact, like, oh, yeah, this guy doesn't want to pay attention. He just wants to do his job. Obviously gay. And then they're like, you know who is the perfect gay honeypot? Also, Anthony at one point, Anderson. An- 
Yeah, and Anthony answers talking about his junk, and he says, I can almost tie it in a knot. And it's oh, just geez. gross. It's, it's yeah. really gross. So, um, so then, like, okay. So they're trying to break into the safe to get these diamonds out. Like, how is the way that they open the safe? Like, <laughs> can somebody, somebody describe to me that seems like the loudest way possible to open a safe? Dave, can you describe how they open the safe? They use a fucking rocket launcher. Hold on. <laughs> Basically, we got to back up. We got to back up. First, first, they drill a hole in the safe. Fill it with liquid nitrogen, right? Fill it. It is filled yeah. with liquid nitrogen. That's a lot of liquid nitrogen. You can't just oh, yeah. go to the store and buy that much liquid nitrogen. Oh, no, that, that's kill the T-1000 level liquid nitrogen. Yeah, so the whole <laughs> thing's frozen, right? And then they strap a rocket, an actual missile, <laughs> to the front of this thing, of, the, of, the, of the, the vault door, and launch the missile so that it pulls the the frozen door apart. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm like, if you're trying to be sneaky, isn't there a different way you could get this open? Like, that seems like the loudest way possible to open a safe. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even if they had used, like, a small explosive, it would have been quieter. Than, <laughs> than, and what, what were they going to do? Like, they were, they were so careful and so sneaky trying to get into this place just to take a rocket and blow a hole through the wall opposite of the room? <laughs> Why bother? Why not just rocket your whole way in there? I don't get it. I don't I, get it. I mean, the, the one stereo, gay stereotype security guard for this insanely, like, you know, a secure place, just, you know, I, I think, you know, that's like all they need. They're like, you know, this place is super secure. We just need this one stereotype. And then just shoot rockets all you want. And, you know, we don't care, you know. So, and here's my next question. So, they get the vault open, and they've been hired to steal these, like, black diamonds, okay? But why when they're in there, why don't they just take everything from the safe? It's all diamonds. Like, why don't they just grab everything while they're in there? You, I think you know, he did, he did steal something for his daughter. Yeah. I think they grant, they wanted to make sure they had the black diamonds, and then while they were there, steal whatever it is they could. I think in one bag they had all the other stuff, and then Anthony had the black diamonds with him in a separate bag. And they also they they do also make a very concerted effort to show that these are very nice crooks. So they probably took the time to only steal from the bad people. You know, yeah, they have a they have a no gun policy. So. No gun policy. He you know DMX saves people from lives of other types of crime. You know. <laughs> It's just, you know, they're very nice tricks. He's a good father, you know? So it's about this time that, like, Jet Li calls DMX on his phone. It was like, hey, guess what? I called the cops on you. So things go south. They skate back into the subway titles. They, they split up. Like, I like the fact that him and Gabriel Union have to, like, hide out on the top of the subway car. And it's really tense, but he still takes time to, like, check out her rack. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, the third member of the crew, I don't know what his name is, but he runs into Jet Li and gets his ass kicked, and it's pretty funny. What is his name? Uh, Miles. Yeah. Because Jet, Jet Li's, like, barely trying, and he just, like, kicks his ass. They make a point saying uh, he only uses, like, one hand in a lot of the fights in these movies. Just, like, show how easy it is to kick all these asses. Yeah, it's true. So, and then, like, Jet Li takes the bag from him, but he's, like, mad because he wanted the black diamonds, and he gets the bag that has the normal diamonds. Yeah. 
Um, and then, like, there's this weird scene where, like, so Jet Li in this movie is Taiwanese intelligence. That's, yeah. like, his... But he just, like, walks into this crime scene. And and it's, like, it's so weird. And he flashes on the badge, and they're like, oh, okay. Like, would he really hold that much weight? So this is kind of worth mentioning that, like, it was kind of a ballsy move for him for at the time to play Taiwanese intelligence, because that would not make the mainland Chinese government happy, because they don't like that. Because they don't, you know, because, you know, the whole story behind China and Taiwan, all that, but, like, they don't recognize Taiwan, so it's actually a pretty ballsy move for him to play a Taiwanese character at the time. But yeah, I don't think that they they have like carte blanche just walk in anywhere and like you know, be like oh yeah, I'm with the Taiwanese intelligence, you know. Yeah, I would imagine their jurisdiction doesn't extend to wherever it is they're at. Yeah. So okay, so they don't know what's up with these black diamonds. So DMX takes them to Tom Arnold to check him out. Tom Arnold is a arms dealer? He's like, yeah. a, he's like a fence. Yeah. With a tank. Yeah. He's, a <laughs> yeah because he's just like a general criminal supplier. Like California, even at the time, has like the toughest gun laws in the nation, yet this dude can have a tank and all this other stuff and just seemingly in the open. He has a, a he has a storefront, you know? So <laughs> it's got like something surplus depot or whatever. It's like he just is like, yeah, okay. I guess that's how it works. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, he's introduced driving this tank, and you're like, is this tank going to come back into play? Yes. It is 100%. You do not introduce a tank and then not come back to it, right? Um, so uh, DMX goes to the guy's apartment, the one that Jet Li broke into that um, hired him for the job. And it is kind of cool when he's dead and he's in his giant fish tank. That's a pretty cool visual. Yep. Um, I would have liked tap on the glass when he saw him in the fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> so him and Jet Li fight a little bit. Like, I always think it's funny when DMX fight because I feel like it always looks not Very. great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you play Def Jam Vendetta, he is a good character to use. But in this, just doesn't live up to it. Um, so, like, he gets a call from, uh, Ling, is that the main bad guy in this? Yeah. The chairman. Let's just call, we're just gonna call, we're just gonna call him the chairman. So the chairman calls DMX and he's like, hey, I want the stones. And he's like, I don't want to give you the stones. So they, there's like a car chase where the bad guys are chasing him. And they like, why does it matter whether he gives him the stones or not? The guy that's going to pay him is dead. Right? That's fair. Like, why is he just... And they know at this point that they're not really diamonds. They're they're something else. Well, no. I don't think at this point that they know that they're not diamonds, I would say. I think they're just... They haven't found out what's going on with them yet, I think. All right. So, anyway, so... He, he gets in a fight with uh, these guys chasing him. Uh, uh, Jet Li shows up to help him out. There's that crazy part where DMX runs up a wall and flips over a oh dog that's chasing yeah, him. I put awesome wall walking Gene Kelly. Yeah, was, <laughs> That was so stupid. I was so mad. I, like, that made me angry. I was so mad at that. That whole scene is bad because, first of all, it's an obvious soundstage. Like, this is like something you saw on the great movie ride at Disney, you know? Like, and then, like, 
first I'll have my pet peeve in any sort of movie where the guy cocks an automatic. It's like, no, you don't do that, you know? And it's just, yeah, it was just, it's a bad fight. It just really is. It's exactly. not good. So uh, they they team up. They go to see Tom Arnold. That's when they find out that um, they find out that uh, Jet Li is Taiwanese intelligent. Uh, I, I think Tom Arnold refers to him as a Kung Fu James Bond. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then that's also when they find out DMX finds out that the bad guys, the chairman has kidnapped his daughter. Uh, and they're like, we want the stones and we have your daughter. But the problem is, is that somebody showed up. DMX left the stones with Tom Arnold and someone showed up at Tom Arnold's place and stole the stones, right? Like that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So they think it was this guy Chambers. It's Chai McBride. Chi McBride? Chai Chai, McBride? Chai McBride, yep. Okay. So they go to see him. What's what's his deal in this movie? Can someone explain to me, like... He's he's a crime lord in prison that gets, like, you know, he gets all the... Because he's so rich, which doesn't actually happen in U.S. prisons anymore, at least, that, like, you know, oh, he has to live however he wants in prison. And... He used to be the boss of Gabrielle Union, who apparently was a hooker. Yeah, I and, think so. I think that's yeah, what you're alluding to. Yeah, and then, I mean, in the amount of time that she's giving that one, the murderer a lap dance, like, did she? I don't know, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, blurry, but he's supposed to be the crime boss of L.A., you know? So they go to see him. He's got this really nice setup in, in like, the prison. He's got, like, his own personal chef. Apparently his name is Jump, because I have a note that says yeah. Jump. I That's thought his name was Chambers. Well, maybe Jump Chambers. Jump, yeah, Jump, I think, is an ironic name for a fat guy. Yeah, and also, this is, like, like he's very, like, he's very not, he's very the racist dick. towards Jet Lenny. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I have a note that says, what the hell is this scene, other than racist? All of his scenes make me uncomfortable. Like yeah, I, he's talking to Mark DeCosos, it gets really sexual, which is weird, you know. And he's definitely a a bad guy. Like not yeah. even like a likable bad guy. He's just like one of those over the top. Like they make him extra bad, kind of unnecessarily. Yeah, which is weird because in most things he plays a very lovable character. Yeah. You know. Yep. So okay. So he he won't give up the stones to him. He won't tell them where they are. Um, we cut to uh, Jet Li's daughter, not Jet Li, sorry, DMX's daughter, uh, and they they steal like a weird conversion van to keep her in in their hideout. But I have a note that says like, you know what? They tied her up, but at least they put on the TV for her to watch. So that's not all bad, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also, like, it's like, why do you, like, have to put her in a van? Just, like, get her a cot and throw her in her closet or something. It seems like, oh, because maybe the fact that it's a van might come up again later, you know? (laughs) So, okay. So now we kind of split into two things going on. So, like, DMX, Gabrielle Unit, Anthony Anderson, they go to Jump's Club to try and find the stones. Because that's where they think they are. Meanwhile, Tom Arnold and Jet Li go to this underground fight club because Tom Arnold thinks he might recognize the person that stole the stones. Right? Am I am yeah, I correct? Based on a ring that the guy had. Yeah, earring. And that's where they get to this club, this underground fight club, and that's where Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz are fighting. Yep. 
This is a movie. And, this is a part. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to say that the people in the front row of this fight club have like Gallagher tarps yeah. to hold up to block the blood. This is the part of, this, of the movie that really made me say, okay, this movie is racist because they go into it with a conversation. Oh, yeah, they all look alike to me. But, you know, you guys look alike, too. It's like, Jesus, Tom Arnold, you know, <laughs> seriously, like that had to be included in this movie. Like that was just like, oh, God. It's not great. Um, yeah. Anthony Anderson pretends to be an exterminator for some reason in order to, like, I guess, get into Jump's office. Uh, this is also where you said Gabrielle Union does that strip tease to distract that real-life murderer for some reason. Um, what I can't figure out is, like, so they do the whole thing about getting Anthony Anderson in there to fumigate the place. Just is it's it's so they can keep people out of the office, right? Yeah. But they break in no problem. Yeah, there's no one in the office anyway. The only guy who would be in the office was getting a lap dance at the time. Yeah. So I don't. Oh. It's because they just want to keep giving Anthony Anderson characters to play because that's his role in the crew. Is like is like Charlie pretending to be Serpico on It's Always Sunny. Like he's <laughs> oh I gotta have costumes. Yeah, we should get costumes. You know, like. It's really well, bad. So they search the office for the stones, and they find the safe. And I feel like this crew—they use another like gun to open the safe, right? They like, have no gun policy unless they're shooting safes. Yeah, and, and they shoot it with like what is that? It's like a fifty caliber or something. It's something huge. Yeah, it's absurd. It's not that big of a safe. So then a couple things happen. DMX ends up getting arrested by the cops. Uh, meanwhile, back at the underground. <laughs> fighting ring. They had to say Jet Li was a fighter to get him in. Well, then it turns out his number gets called and he has to fight Randy Couture yeah. in this ring. Like, younger Randy Couture when he before he gave up, like, trying to have hair, so he has, like, the weird yeah. patch of hair on his, his head. His future Expendables co-star, Randy Couture. Yep. It's true. And then, like, okay, so the little person, or dwarf, I don't know what the correct term is. The one it's from little person. Well, I guess it depends on what his type of dwarfism is, but little so person's fine. The little person who I believe is featured in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, movie. Really that's, is. that's Michigan's yeah. own Martin Clubber. Yeah. He, he's from he's the ref. He's and the you know, ref. Mini-Me is from Michigan, too. We, we, we make the best little people, I guess. I, I guess. He's, he's a ref, and at a certain point... Jet Li starts using him as a weapon. Yeah. A devastating weapon, by the way. He throws him at, like, five guys and knocks them all to the ground. I, get, like, I don't know if that's racism or not, but it's really not good. Oh, it's uh, they call it ableism, I believe. There's a lot of isms in this movie. This is my, perhaps... My favorite part, my whole, my favorite part of this whole viewing experience, because you're cutting between one DMX, not DMX. Let's start with Jet Li. Jet Li is fighting an entire octagon of MMA fighters by himself, right? Yep. And DMX, <laughs> who was arrested by the police, ex- escapes and conveniently. <laughs> A guy pulls up with a trailer that has a motorcycle and an ATV. Jet, uh, DMX gets on the ATV and is escaping from the cops while X going to give it to you. Yeah, because which do you think would be faster, the ATV or the motorcycle? <laughs> I would, you know, it's got to be the ATV. 
<laughs> so there's literally a chase scene where he's driving the ATV. They're playing X gonna give it to you. The police are chasing him, and then the guy whose ATV is it gets on a motorcycle and is chasing him. <laughs> they go and through buildings of, up stairwells. It's true. He drives out a window onto another building, and then he's like jumping from building to building on this ATV. <laughs> it is wild. And the Jet Li fight is crazy, too, because I feel like in his contract, Tito Ortiz is like, I'm tough. Like, at one point, he picks up Jet Li by his feet and, like, swings him around and slams him into them. Yeah. But then, then a ball shot takes him down. But I feel, because I, I think looking at, like, a lot, this basically was the entire UFC at the time roster. Like, there's a couple other guys, I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize that guy vaguely, you know? But, like... Doesn't that say something about the UFC? Like, yeah, all of our guys can get their ass kicked by one small Jet Li, you know? Like, we are desperate for mainstream exposure. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I, this movie just makes me uh, keep going. Okay, <laughs> so um, the chairman goes to visit Jump in prison to get the information about the stones. I think it's pretty sweet when he kills his chef with the lobster claw. Yeah, that part was kind of neat. He stabs him in the neck with the lobster claw, and he definitely kills Jump, too, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he gets the information from him. Um, They find out that the chairman has the stones. Um, I like that his daughter's in that van, and she finds that, like, Zach Morris-style cell cell phone. Totally charged. And it still works enough for her to get one call off to uh, call DMX and kind of give a vague idea of where she is. Yeah, but like, you know, I don't know if people know this or not. It's not how cell phones work. No. So, and, and then this is where we get like a very interesting piece of information. So, the black diamonds are not black diamonds, they are synthetic plutonium. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. That were developed by the Taiwanese government. I don't know why, but they were. And the chairman like wanted them, so he killed all of Jet Li's team. I guess I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I quite get that. I think he was part of like the he was part of Taiwanese intelligence, and like decided to kill the team and take the diamonds for himself and leave. Yeah. And they're so valuable that someone decided to keep them with the rocks in a hot tub fountain. <laughs> okay. So they're like, oh, we got to figure out where they are. I don't, at some point they're like, go into the LAPD access we have. And I'm like, how do they have access to this LAPD stuff? They're master criminals. Like for being master criminals, why are they so hard up to do this job? And there's never been, like, an established, oh, this is the computer guy. Like, they're all, like, there's basically just DMX and people who pretend to be other people, you know? Yeah. And and when they show DMX's house, it's a gigantic, like, nice house. It's not like he's hard up, you know? Anyways, I love, probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is when the arms dealers show up for this thing. It's It's like the most diverse it's like the fucking opening scene of Naked Gun. 
where it's just like, oh, these are all the international baddies. Like, here's a here's an African warlord. Here's a guy in a turban. You know, it's like, oh my there, god. There's you know? a there's a woman. There's a guy in a wheelchair for some reason. It's so wild. Um, so <laughs> they show them. Um, they show them kind of how these like this was plutonium. Inf- this was infuriating to me. Okay. Oh yeah. Like, Please go so ahead. They have they have their so, so the chairman has his own computer guy right who sets up this giant apparatus that supposedly charges these plutonium things. I, I, essentially, what it boils down to is you take the plutonium and you add like an extra electron to it or an extra proton to it or whatever, an extra, an extra, an extra, whatever science nerd, whatever extra thing to it. Right. And it makes it more radioactive. And I guess the more you do it, the more radioactive it becomes. First of all, that's not how that works. Um, so essentially he's put together like a particle accelerator, a mini particle accelerator that he puts this little, the black diamond in, right? And then he's sitting there and he's cranking up the, the, the wattage and he's like, one Hiroshima. <laughs> Two Hiroshimas. Like, and they're, New world order. And, 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 the, and, the, arms, and the, the terrorists are like, they're losing their shit, right? Well, their minds are exploding. Like, how do they know? How do they know this works? This is a completely well, unknown, unknown technology. They're not going to ask for a demonstration. They're just going to take his word for it. The movie assumes that both the audience in the crowd and the audience watching it are a bunch of idiots. You know, like, we don't care how this works, you know? Like, it's so, it is so dumb. And then, yeah. and then, right, so the fight ensues and all that. He takes this supposedly now now highly radioactive piece of plutonium, this highly, highly radioactive piece of plutonium, yep. and puts it in a little pill. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pick it up with my bare hands, and I'm just going to put a little pill. We're we'll going to put it in my pocket. Put it in my also, pocket right here, and we're going to run. That's what we're going to do. We're talking about the fight ensues. They okay, so like you know, Tom oh, Arnold so and I, I jumped ahead. I apologize. Okay. We're going to give it its. We're going to give it its full. Okay, we'll give it its full. Yeah. Before we get to this, I want to say it's wild how aggressive these arms dealers get when they're trying to bid on these diamonds. And their bidding makes no sense. They should bid per like rock, you yeah. know. You, yeah, it's wild. Like, they do not know how an auction works in this movie. No. You know? No. Oh, you know. So then. One arms dealer is like, oh, I got six for ten million, and then the next bit is like, I want seven for ten million. It's like, well, what the fuck? And, and Kelly, who just says sold at one point, it's like, it was going up still, you dumb dumb. Yeah. You know, so, Kelly, who do you think you are? Oh well, no. Thank you. No, no, no. no, no, no. I you. sat through enough puns last time. No, thank you. So, so then the tank comes back. Oof. Tom Arnold and Anthony Anderson are in this tank. They show up. That DMX is there. Jet Li and Kelly Who fight for a little bit, well, and then oh, go ahead. Can I say when the tank shows up, the science henchman for some insane reason says, "I knew it." It's like you knew it. What did you know? And how would you know this? How would you? I knew that these guys were going. I knew that the comic relief of this movie was going to show up in a tank. You know, it's just like, what does that mean? And then he has something like an anti-aircraft gun or something, <laughs> you know? 
And why okay. is and why is Gabriel Union? Tough? She's just a former hooker slash, yeah. you know, like. And now yeah. she knows like martial arts. Yeah, Gabriel Gabriel Union shows up and fights Kelly Who with like her jacket. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's also, Lady Death right she's fighting. Also, I like that the chairman's trying to get in the helicopter and he throws that wheelchair guy on the ground. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like they put the wheelchair guy in the movie because they're like, we're going to have him get thrown like, out of the what? wheelchair. We need one more group to be offensive to. Yeah, it's like we've already gone after every minority and little people, so now we need to <laughs> knock people in wheelchairs over. I think they made a crack about the old people who used to own the camper van, too. So That's this true. movie gets everyone. So uh, the chairman gets in the helicopter and he's trying to get away, but Tom Arnold skillfully shoots down the helicopter. Um, well, like it's it's such a terrible crash and explosion that it's like, how did the chairman survive that crash? I'll tell you how he didn't. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's not surviving that. He's not surviving that helicopter crash. Yeah, that special the special ingredient that night is chairman. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And it's only served one way. Charm. Exactly. <laughs> I will say this, though. The fight between the chairman and Jet Li is pretty great. Yep, it's good. It's, it's really good, except it is a, the exact fight from Romeo Must Die between Jet Li and Russell Wong. Like, they're in a ring of fire, <laughs> and they're fighting. It's like, this is the exact same setup, you know? Like, and while this is going on, DMX fights the bald Asian guy. Uh, Gabrielle Union kills Kelly Who. And then this is perhaps my favorite part of this movie. So, Jet Li beats the chairman. Oh. And he shoves that, like, plutonium pill. God, this, oh, fuck oh. this movie. Made me so sho- mad. He shoves that plutonium pill in his mouth. We get like a close up of its throat Why? of him. Like, it is the worst, the worst special effect I've ever seen in my life. It is like it's it's a practical effect of a pill stuck in a throat. It is so dumb. It is the yeah, dumbest thing. The that level of radiation would totally kill Jet Li too. Like his hair would start falling out, and it's just yeah, oh my god! You know what? I got news for you. Radiation doesn't work that way. It doesn't yeah. melt you from the inside out. <laughs> well, oh. let's just say his face melts like Raiders of the Ra- Lost Ark. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, good so God. He's, he's defeated. Um, the good guys all get together. Tom Arnold's like, hey, a white guy comes in handy every once in a while. Woo. LOL. Yeah. And... That's pretty much the end of the movie, right? And then I, I love it. I love it how DMX is like, I'm gonna turn myself in. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, for what? You know? Yeah. I don't know if they exactly know exactly have exact charges against you other than getting beaten up in a strip club. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's the end of the movie. Can I say the fact that I want to mention is it says DMX was actually sober while making this movie. <laughs> From his crack addiction. He smoked, weed. Weed. he smoked weed off set, but was sober when he was acting. DMX also took lessons and worked out and did some training. You so, know, it, there are some things like where I sometimes have to wonder about 
Internet Movie Database's editorial staff. Because <laughs> one of the facts they have was this started out as an adaptation of the movie M. How the fuck is that possible? M What's is that M? Fritz M is a uh, a Weimar era Fritz Lang film about like a serial killer in Germany. Like it's made in the thirties. It's got um, Peter Lohr in it. It is nothing like this movie. It is. It is. Com- There's just no correlation. I don't know how this could have been. Uh, you know, connected. It's just. It's insane. So I really wonder. Like, I don't think this internet movie database person's right because I don't see how this is possible. You know. Uh, did you watch the blooper? The 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 Tom Arnold Anthony Anderson at the end. No, I did not. You did not. I watched it on Tubi, so I don't know if that was an option. It's not great. (laughs) Like, parts of it were mildly funny, but a lot of it was just... Probably racist. Probably racist. It was, and it was... Oh, it was bad. (laughs) Like, I was so mad at it. I was so mad at it. I feel... Parts of this movie were just made me so mad. I feel like Tom Arnold's whole shtick is that... Everyone thinks I'm such a piece of shit. I can say whatever I want and no one's opinion of me could get any lower. So I am just going to say awful things. You know, you're probably not wrong. I mean, that makes sense. Um, does, does anyone have anything else they want to bring up before we kind of get to our ratings? I mean, fuck this movie. You know? No. All right. Let's just rate it. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, Dave, do you want to go first or do you want one of us to go first? I'll go first. Okay, despite all the things I've said, this movie is watchable. There is some horrible stuff in it. And, like, you know, obviously, like, you know, we're a little bit older. I think, like, a younger person watching this would be horrified by some of the political incorrectness. Like, it's bad at certain points. Like, I am not a person who gets offended, and I wasn't necessarily... It's like, I was more shocked they could actually put this in a mainstream movie, some of the stuff. So, but it's still watchable. Jet Li is good. Some of the fights are good. The soundtrack's good. I, I am a, I'm an openly enthusiastic DMX fan. I think he's great. You know, his music is great. And actually, now he's not a good actor in this, but he has been, like, he was good in um, Never Die Alone and stuff like that. I will give it two and a half machine guns. Because I think it's definitely watchable. It's, you know, it's, you can watch it. It's not good. But obviously on this podcast, I've seen worse. So I'll go next. You know what? I, I agree with you to a lot. Like, this movie is problematic, obviously. Yeah. But, like, it's... I had a lot of fun watching it. Like, it's... Like, when, when DMX gets on that ATV, I'm like... Yeah, I'm behind this movie. There's a lot of problems. Jet Li is great in it. It's very watchable. And I had a lot of fun watching it, despite all its issues. Three machine guns for me. Whoa, wow. All right. Um, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah, this movie is definitely watchable. Um, some of it's very stupid. It, it, but we, there's a fine line between being so bad it's good and being so bad it's still bad. This doesn't quite get to the so bad it's good level for me, but it's not far away from it. Um, 
but I I can't go. I I guess if you if you had to watch a gently DMX movie. <laughs> This would, this would be the one this would be one of them you could watch um, <laughs> um uh, i'll i'll say i will give it the benefit of the doubt because there are some cool things in it i'll say two and a half machine guns but i'm stretching to say two and a half machine guns agreed oh, God. fair enough <laughs> I feel slightly defeated by that, but okay. No, I agree. That's I mean, the thing. Like, I, like I literally went from saying "fuck this movie" to, but there are parts of it I enjoyed. Right. I mean, it's such a yeah. it's such a hard there, movie to rate. There are a lot of issues with this movie, but it's fun to watch. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, All it's right. basically a comedy, you know, even when it doesn't always intend to be, you know. Yes. Okay. Well. All right. Is there anything else anybody wants to say about this? We good? I'm good. Yeah, pretty good. Then let's get to some plugs. Dave, is there anything you want to plug before we get into our plugs? Okay, so I might have mentioned it. I know I definitely mentioned it before. Um, I wrote a book. Yep. And it is now officially registered with the Library of Congress. Okay. So I am. The name is called Overtime: An Adventure in a Lesser Hell. Okay. And I'm working on uh, trying to figure out uh, some publishing options. I don't know if it's going to be a self-publishing, if I can submit it. But, uh, you know, stay tuned. You know, and I I may give uh, you you two gentlemen uh, an advanced copy. Ooh, I might actually yeah. read it. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was going to have, I was going to maybe do an audio book, too. We could all, like, you know, do different parts. Oh, you that's know? fine. I can do that. Okay. I, I've done that before. I yeah. I've done so, that before. I mean, I've never done that before, but I would be willing yeah, to try. Exactly. Yeah. So... So yeah, so there's that, and then other than that, um, yeah, so another good time, and anytime you need a substitute, let me know, and also, let's at some point do Kiss of the Dragon. We keep doing all the lesser Jet Li movies, we need to do Kiss of the Dragon and Unleashed, because those are just the two amazing Jet Li movies. Unleashed has Morgan Freeman. Kiss of the Dragon needs to happen. Yeah. All right, deal. Um, We are the Last Action Podcast, we come to you every Monday on the GameZilla Media Network, and wherever podcasts are available. We've also got several other podcasts on the network, such as the GameZilla podcast, shows about Tuesdays. My other personal favorite podcast, Noobs and Dragons, which <laughs> uh, we have we are officially done recording season two. It's gonna we've recorded a lot of episodes, so it's gonna continue to run until the end of August. But uh, <laughs> but 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 I'm done recording it. It was a great show. Uh, we've got. Um, Legend of Retro, starring my brother Chops and a couple other people. Uh, they do they do classic video game. They they, they take on uh, retro video games, and um, we've got streamers. We've got uh, all kinds of stuff. We we also have Patreon. For a buck, you get some extra stuff like votes and things. But five bucks is really the sweet spot. You get extra shows from everybody on the network, including us. We have the post credit scene. Recently, we talked about our favorite GI Joe stuff. So we covered G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and then we carried it over to a Patreon episode where we discussed um, all things G.I. Joe, which the reality is we could have gone four more episodes talking about all things G.I. Joe. There might be another episode talking about G.I. Joe. Okay, can you bring me on that one so I can talk about Mercer? Mercer was the coolest. He's an ex-Cobra Viper, guys. He turned to the good side. Jody loves Mercer. Mercer's awesome. We might do it. Um, 
But yeah, so check us out there. And uh, check us out on Discord. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, scroll down to the bottom, click our Discord link. You can chat with us anytime you want. We're on Discord. We love chatting with people. And uh, lately I've been getting beat up on Discord uh, <laughs> by these jerks that uh, like to post dumb gifts and memes that I hate. So F you guys. Uh, but anyway, Dave, thanks for being here. Thanks yeah, for having thanks me. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thanks for pinch hitting and coming in for this. I filled in for someone. Let's, he was the anonymity of the person I filled in for. Let's call him Corn D. Or you the better yet, uh, Cor- or, uh, uh, Sea Dog. You can say he doesn't listen, so he's not going <laughs> to well, that's fine. He's not going to be on ever again, so. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Corey, corndog. Show them cornhole. Uh, anyway, <laughs> got, got weird at the end. Uh, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>